You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. You're getting really good at the record button, Catherine. It's been it's been a bit since we've had an episode. So I know. I have trouble, I appreciate I have trouble it. with people's names and have trouble with the record button. <laughs> I feel like the recording is a pretty big part of the whole recording a podcast situation. It is. And I always I there's never been a time I've not recorded it. I just can never find where the button is. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Even though we do this every week for almost for three years now for three years. <laughs> it's a little bit of an Easter egg hunt with Catherine. You can kind of tell like what, what, how's this going to go? <laughs> I'm looking for the button. Also, I can never find the stop button. I'm yeah, that's the it. truth. But anyway. <laughs> oh, exciting things in podcast world. <laughs> okay. Well, that voice joining us is somebody that I've actually uh, followed for quite a while. I wanted to get on the podcast and we finally have her on. So welcome Rebecca Faringer. Thank you. We're, we're really excited. Now I want you to say your last name for everybody. <laughs> yeah, tell them how you you it's were going to Fahringer. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to ask, that's how you have to say it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> how far back is your family? Did they come to the to America from? Uh, on my mom's side, I have absolutely no idea, and. Obviously, uh, in this heteronormative life that I live, I have my last name from my dad. But the only thing I know about my dad's side of the family is his mom's side that came in on a boat in the 1700s and landed outside of Scarborough, Maine and put their name on a rock. And that wasn't Faringer. It was Libby. So I'm just a super American. And I just happen to have a Germanic last name. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty common in the U.S., but my mom is yeah. German, German, like from mm-hmm. Germany. But my last name's Taylor because she married my dad. So because uh, <laughs> she married my dad, I <laughs> actually it was funny. My dad. <laughs> I was my um, I don't oh so racing in Belgium. In order to get paid for a lot of the races, you need to have a European bank account. So I got a European bank account that ended up having a German number. I guess a lot of the banks you can decipher where they're from based on, I don't know, whatever the number is. So I had a German bank account number. I had a Germanic last name and there was a season where I was showing up to races and they kept putting my nationality as German. And it took me like four or five races before I was like, ding, 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 ding. Guys, I'm super American. Listen to me talk. And they're like, oh, yes. <laughs> and they changed it. That's funny. Just like, look at my UCI license number. It is it is a U.S. license. So. You're oh, just well. sliding in. <laughs> well, you fit right in. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, it's one place we like to start is kind of give us your history on the bike. How did you get into cycling? And you've had quite quite a career. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Yeah. Well, like every good off-road cyclist, I came into the sport through triathlon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of got into triathlons in college and then I went on to grad school. They didn't have a triathlon program, tried to start one long story short, fell in with the cyclists and 
I was in New England at the time. I was going to school in Rhode Island and the New England area has a really big cyclocross scene. Uh, NECX. And yeah, I got into cyclocross. I watched one race and then I borrowed a bike for the next weekend and I never stopped until I hit my head too many times two years ago. And then I stopped, <laughs> but it was nonstop full throttle. Like from every moment I was able to race cyclocross till the season ended, I, I would race an entire season, like August to February, taking like three weekends off. It was ridiculous. <laughs> what was it about it that you loved? I'm assuming you loved it if you did it that much and that hard. Uh, so, you know, when you see people like in, in relationships and it's sort of an odd couple and you're like, how did that super mm. like normal looking chubby dude land that really hot chick? Turns mm-hmm. out he like has a really great, fun personality, even though he's not very glamorous. Yeah, that's cyclocross. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. It's an amazing sport. Even when you're sucking, you can have fun. Nobody really knows when you're losing because it's just all across this short course. You know, it's like a two kilometer long course. There's just people scattered everywhere. And by scattered, I mean, they're on the bike, they're running, they're falling there's no judgment. You know, it's like in a gravel race or a road race or a mountain bike race, if you have to walk something, oftentimes people are like, oh my God. But in cyclocross, it's like often the better choice. And people sometimes judge you for trying to ride it. And I don't know. It's, it's just, it just clicked. It just clicked. Cyclocross is my soulmate. Sorry, all future men. (laughs) (laughs) So after well, so you said you hit your head a few too many times. I've seen on some of your social media, you've had some instance with concussion. Yeah. Um, and like, tell us a little bit more about that. Cause I do think it's something we're finally talking about. And we're especially finally talking about women in concussions and how they display differently. Yeah. I, so <laughs> man, it's such a sad story. Can we not talk about the sad parts? <laughs> <laughs> I still get emotional thinking about it, especially this time of year going into cyclocross and thinking like I should be doing my first race of the season next weekend. Um, So it was 2020, uh, the year of COVID and there wasn't racing any, it wasn't any racing in the U S. So I actually just like packed up and moved to Belgium so that I could race second race out of the, out of the gate. I just rushed into my line. It was uh, a left-hand turn down a steep chute, a downy do as I call them. And there was a high line and low line. Don't go in the middle because there's a hole. And Clara Hansinger had like, we sort of ended up in this bottleneck together. And I was like, oh, I got to get out of Clara's way. Like Clara's going to win. So I just hopped on my bike and I went and I looked at this hole and then I buried my front wheel in it. And I just went over the bars and it was a pretty big scorpion. And I was in denial. I didn't hit my head. My head didn't touch the ground. So I was in denial that I hit my head and could have had a concussion and I'm a kid of the nineties. So those don't exist anyways. So I finished the race. I drove home. I spent seven hours editing a vlog. I kept training. I was reading a book. Uh, and then finally, at some point I just passed out in the hallway and like lost consciousness. And it was, Oh, I was really feverish that morning too. Like that it was the Tuesday after the Sunday race. I was like feverish and I felt terrible. Everyone thought I had COVID. I was like, well, this is, this is me dying now, uh, passed out in the hallway. And then it was like, oh, I have a concussion. 
but it was the second weekend of racing of a time where I've committed to move to another continent to race. <laughs> so I took a weekend off, kept racing. The results just kept going down and down and down and down and down. And this is the year after I got second at nationals, a couple top tens in world cups. Um, I was like pretty stoked at how things were going and uh, you know, season ended and I was like, well, guess that happened. I was really stoked to gear up again for the next season and second day of the first weekend of the year, uh, somebody cut me off trying to pass me on the inside of a turn and just took me out. It was a pretty simple slide out and I just tapped the side of my head. I rolled into the, into the pits and I just yelled, I hit my head. And, Cause I knew I couldn't stop. Like somebody had to stop me. So like my mechanic wraps me in a bear hug and is like, you're not getting back on your bike. Uh, and I, but that was the start of a six week block of racing that was culminating in us world cups. So I took like a, took a week off training. I was doing a set of two race weekends. I was just doing one race on each weekend and I didn't let myself recover and the results again, faded and faded and faded, just got worse and worse. And, uh, finally, once that block was over, my season was done. Somehow I still qualified for the world championships though. So I like hung out on the couch for a couple months and then I rode my bike for a couple weeks and then jumped into the world championships. That, that was a rude awakening. <laughs> it just be fast. <laughs> turns out. Turns out. Not a world champion athlete off the couch. Who'd have thunk? Um, yeah. And honestly, I have come to the conclusion. So that was 2020 was the first. The beginning of 2021 was the second. We're now in 2023. And uh, it's taken a while, but I think I finally realized that I'm not, I'm not recovered in a lot of ways. Uh, I think I just, like I, my throat, the throttle's been pinned. Even in any amount of downtime, I think my body and my mind and my soul and everything is like still playing catch up. So I've never had a proper reset because anytime I stop, my body's like, okay, three steps forward, but too bad. She's already like eight steps ahead. So then I start going again and then I start backsliding. And uh, yeah, this has been the most tumultuous period of recovery I have ever considered anyone having. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate you sharing about it because I know it's mm -hmm. not a fun thing to talk about, but it's, I think it's way more common in cycling and especially what you experienced, like where it wasn't something where you're not like we hear about like the Lauren DeCrisenzos and the Ali Tetrick who had like yeah. traumatic crashes, massive crashes. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. It's obvious that that's what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. But I hear a lot of, and I've been hearing more and more female athletes that have like something that seems very minor. And they're like, I don't even like, I don't even have a headache from that. Yeah. And then they're realizing the recovery, like, it takes a while to put the symptoms together with like something's not right. And yeah. even a lot of times their doctors are like, you're crazy. They don't believe them. So I went to a neurology center that focuses in concussions. And this was after I'd been like off the bike sedentary for six or so weeks. And they were like, yeah, just keep doing nothing until you feel better. And I was like, not only is this not good for my sole career and source of income, but how is a person supposed to live months at a time, not being able to look at a screen, not being able to read? Not I couldn't walk the dog and listen to headphones at the same time. My head still hurts if I walk downhill, like the the like heel striking or stopping, you know, just the bracing as you walk downhill hurts my head. 
So I ended up going to a chiropractor who focused on concussion recovery and did a few different tests and saw that like my, both of my eyes, they were tracking separately. So there was something in like my brain linkage that my eyes weren't synced together. So they were inputting two different sets of information into my brain. So my brain was spending a lot of effort in like burning through glycogen, trying to figure out how to fix this. Cause one of my symptoms was I would start a race. I'd feel fine. Like my train would be okay. And then I'd start a race. I remember sea otter last year after 45 seconds, I was done. I exploded. I couldn't even get to the single track. And it's because my body, like I could not keep up with the amount of glycogen my body needed to do everyday tasks, like not fall over, but you don't realize it. Cause as an athlete, like we always, I would be doing nothing for two weeks and crave bowls of cereal. It's because my body was just always going through that glycogen. Turns out your brain uses a lot. Who to thunk? Is that why a lot of really smart people are really skinny? Just figure they're too busy being smart to eat, but uh, yeah, so your body, your brain uses a lot of glycogen. And uh, so this chiropractor that was, uh, it was just somebody, some random person on the internet was like, hey, I hear you've been ha- having problems with this. I had problems with concussions. And like, I worked with this guy who studied this and like, see if you can reach out. And that guy connected me with somebody in my town. And it was, yeah, through the bountiful information of the internet that I randomly got set up with somebody that finally told me to do something other than sit and do nothing. I had like wow. little eye exercises to do. I had to move my hand around and track it. And then my brain was like, oh, okay. So this eye's doing this, this eye's doing this. And slowly they got on the same page, I think. If you're tired of those gross plastic water bottles that kind of get funky after a few uses, then our new podcast sponsor is definitely somebody you should check out. Bevo is a performance hydration company with sophisticated metal water bottles designed for cycling. That means they fit in any bike cage and their patented gravity flow technology makes it easy to drink with no need to squeeze. They also, if you get the insulated version, will keep your water cold for 12 plus hours. They have a silicone mouthpiece, which makes it really easy to open when you're riding. And like they said, the water just flows. It's really easy to use. Bevo offers both insulated and non-insulated bottles, and the advantage of those metal water water bottles and that silicone mouthpiece is that they're not going to get funky or gross. They're easy to clean in the dishwasher. You can try Bevo water bottles for yourself by going to drinkbevo, that's B-I-V-O dot com, and use the code DRINK underscore FEISTY, all caps, for free ground and U.S. shipping. If you're looking for a bag to power your epic adventures, look no further than women-led brand Fierce Hazel. I love their bags and that they are all functional, which means they're lightweight, durable, and rainproof, which is very important. They are sustainable. All are made of upcycled or recycled or responsibly sourced materials, and they're made in California with unique designs. Some of the bags that I'm loving are their handlebar and saddle bags from their True Grit line that make it easy to carry everything and they're very lightweight. Uh, and they're echelon pouches. I have had so many Ziploc bags shoved into things everywhere and these pouches just make it really easy to carry everything um, in one seamless pouch. You can go over to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash girls gone gravel and use the code girls gone gravel to get 30% off your purchase at checkout. 
One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last few years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on. And it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevenex. We've worked with Prevenex within our feisty brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, you've also heard about how their great protein powder. But I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I've not been sick one time this year. And, and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support, and it's way better than anything you're going to find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune-boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off your first purchase of Immune Health Plus or any of their other products. That's Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off of your purchase, and you go to Prevanex.com. You can find that in the show notes. Wow. I mean, it's what's shocking is how much you had to jump through to get help yeah. <laughs> and for somebody to recognize what was really going on. Yeah. And I mean, even then, I don't know, maybe I should have invested more in follow-up care. Uh, I like, I turns out emotionally, I was never quite there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, um, but yeah, like I still am dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety and it's this positive feedback cycle of, I feel like crap and I can't race and that makes me feel crappier and I can't race and it makes me feel crappier. And, uh, yeah, it's like a terrible loop to be in. And I was on uh, anti-anxiety meds for a while, but then I couldn't race. I would literally be in a race and people would be passing me. And I'm like, <laughs> I lost your, lost your competitive edge. <laughs> it, it turns out that like that little bit of that little bit of anxiety is what drives us as athletes. You know, we have this like, man, 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 we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. And wow. yeah, if you're sedating yourself, it's kind of hard. So (laughs) kind of of difficult to find the mojo, the extra, the extra level. What it is with athletes is like, you can turn it on and off. And then if you can't turn it off because of your concussion, but then it just like turns it off all the time. (laughs) I don't, uh, so Sarah Max is also an athlete in the lifetime grand prix and she lives a couple of houses down from me basically. Uh, and we've been kind of travel companions and, uh, luckily we're also friends (laughs) So she has to be my emotional support animal at some of these races. And so I think it's normal to have a little bit of anxiety leading up to these races, but it's inflated by my already already like high sense of anxiety. So I have these moments of like, Sarah, I'm freaking out right now. I know I'm being crazy. Just deal with me. I will like, pull out some of the video I, feed for this. Podcast. I swear to God, you need to be a Disney character. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The, the voiceover, like you could do voiceovers. You could do. You could definitely be a comedic actor. I mean, come on. If this, <laughs> if this does not do work, voiceover for kids shows. <laughs> you did, or you should. They wanted me to. Uh, you totally yeah. should. It's amazing. <laughs> The inflections are great. So. But every everybody needs a Sarah Max in their life. Somebody that they can go like, look, 
I know I'm being crazy and you're just going to have to deal with this. Like, don't tell me to calm down, whatever you do. <laughs> yeah. Just let me be crazy for yeah. a minute. Like, yeah. Validate. They're pretty good at that though. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Have you ever tried creatine for your, for your brain, for your brain? Not for my brain. Uh, I was doing it for like the gains for a while. Yeah, you got and... it. <laughs> oh, that's just because like I have all this extra layer of stuff and I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> so I did the, the creatine loading period and I got so bloated. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. And then I, I tapered it off and I stopped taking it, but I still have it. Maybe I should jump back There's in. a lot of new research about creatine and uh, brain injury. Because the brain is a muscle and it helps grow the muscle. So the there's a lot a of really Did good. I just learned this. I guess that makes sense. It's a lot of, there's it. a lot of really good information around that. Just on the side note on our women's performance side of yeah. when I, I work for feisty media full time. And so I actually, <laughs> we did a whole podcast on creatine. I'll send it to you. Um, I, it, there's some really promising to debloat myself as well. <laughs> well, <laughs> it like makes you hold like, a lot of water, you, doesn't it? If you you can load it slowly. So you were loading it fast. It sounds like yeah. you were doing like probably quadruple the dosage. If you load it more slowly, it's likely yeah. that you won't get as bloated. Or maybe if you take the pill, a pill form. So yeah, I love yeah. taking pills. So anyway, you can, you can manage it a little bit better with that because it can yeah. make you feel bloated, but it, it just takes longer to load if you do it slowly. Anyway, okay, it's really, it's really on it. around <laughs> it with, with um, concussions and even as you are not in this boat, but as people are getting older with dementia and memory and all that stuff. And, and trust me, I'm depression. already in that boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, me too. So. Not dementia. I don't want to joke about that, but um, yeah. Yeah, anyway. this is, I was just lamenting to somebody the other day. So now I have to like do my fish oil. I have to do my creatine. And I've decided I should do some sort of skincare, skincare routine other than sunscreen. Um, Cause that's been my sole sun, my sole skincare routine for like a decade. It's just wearing sunscreen. And it's getting to the point where when I see myself, I'm luckily like this very poor lighting is evening out my skin, but I'm like so many like forehead wrinkles. And I think I'm getting jowls and Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all here. Yeah. Why do I still have acne though? (laughs) I know. That's what I didn't think was fair was when I was getting acne and wrinkles. I was like, all right, mother nature, pick one bitch. This is ridiculous. Like, like, it can't be both. At least fill in the wrinkles, like pop them out or something. I don't know. I I was somebody that never like took any supplements. And now I'm like, my fish oil I've got my vitamin D because I live in the Pacific Northwest I'm taking like a joint health supplement I'm taking them like I need the pill thing where you put out I have the pill thing just for my supplements from zero to like all these supplements in the last year when I travel it's like I have maracas in my bag (laughs) (laughs) that's funny traveling pharmacy there you go the healthy kind though (laughs) no yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so, so back to cycling after you left cycle cross. Uh, so is that what led over to the gravel side of things? Um, I would, I'm going to frame this in a more positive light other than I was pushed out of the thing that I love to do in say, uh, it was serendipitous timing in that Kona stopped making cyclocross bikes, uh, hopefully just for a short period of time. Hopefully they come back, bring back the Jake. And Kona being my 
you know, title sponsor and my bicycle sponsor, if they're not making cyclocross bikes, they don't really want me to spend a lot of time racing cyclocross. And so they preferred that the whole team transition to a bigger uh, gravel focus. And that also includes mountain bike with the Lifetime Grand Prix. And I'm finding out that I might like mountain biking. Hmm. I could see that if you like cyclocross. I could totally see that. Yeah. I always assumed I wasn't going to be good because people told me I wasn't very good at writing technical stuff. Like when I first started writing cyclocross and then it came to the point where I went from in cyclocross, passing people in the straightaways, crashing in the corners and then catching them back again on the next straightaway to getting dropped in the straightaways, but just being calm because I'd pass everybody in the technical sections and then just like, you know, deal with it there in the uh, all the gravel races, even this last race this weekend at nationals, I'll pick up only QOMs and segments on the downhills, <laughs> like the uphills. I, I sag. And if I start to sag behind the group, I just yell, Grappetto, who wants to form a Grappetto? <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody ever does. <laughs> I just, when it's men and women together, I just try to find like the biggest guys possible and not yeah. let them leave my sight on the climbs to be like, they're going to start to fall off the back of this group and we're going to stay together and we're going to catch them on the downhills and the flats. And usually that works out for me. Uh, but then sometimes they can't even keep up with me on the downhills because turns out that's what I'm, that's what I'm good at these days. Yeah. Love it has it. been interesting to me to see how little the women work in group tactics and how much the men do in the racing. Well, there's two forms of gravel racing for women. There's mass start with the men. And then there's the two races I've done ever where the women start separate. Actually, I guess three or four races where the women start separate. So we don't get a lot of time to practice group racing within our own selves. And when we do, usually it's such a small group of diverse abilities that it's frustrating. Like nationals this past weekend, it was a group of like 20, 22 were registered. So I'm sure it was only 20 of us that started and a huge disparity in abilities, whether that's technical abilities, physical abilities, or racing tactics. It was negative racing from the gun and frustrating and I didn't like it. And if you start with the men, there's a couple ways to play it. It's who can stay with the group that Keegan Swenson has dropped the longest. <laughs> and then you're separate. And then it's just like leapfrogging from, you know, group to group as, as you go by. And while the rest of the women just try to catch up or you know that their front group is going to be gone and you stay within yourself to not blow up too soon and then pick off the women who get dropped after doing two hours of VO2 on a nine hour day. Yeah. 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 I'll be interested mm. to see if it does continue to develop and if, if more, if women start to form some teams and kind of come to race uh, together. Or... So did you, do you follow Annika Longbad at all? Mm -mm. Oh, now I really wish I knew her nationality. Um, she's Swiss. I don't know what she is. Uh, sorry, Annika, this is really embarrassing for me. Uh, <laughs> it, Maybe she's is she from Denmark. I don't know. Anyways, she's tall, blonde, and gorgeous. Danish. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I can like imagine her kit is white and red, so that makes sense. I think. I don't know. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Well, that could be yeah. or. <laughs> uh, 
Anyways, so I knew her originally as a uh, World Cup mountain biker. And she was also going to dentistry school while she was dominating on the UCI World Cup mountain bike circuit. And then she's like, I'm going to retire and be a dentist now. Seems legit. We should all do that. Uh, and now she's jumping into the um, the World Series gravel racing. Gravel series, I think yeah. It's the, yeah, the UCI sanctioned World Series of gravel. I, I'm sure this has like a better name that I don't know. And she recently put up a post and I did not, she was sort of complaining about the lack of consistency, even amongst those high level races about whether the women get their own start, whether they're starting with the men, there's no gridding whatsoever. So are the women on the front of the line? Are they in the back of the pack? Like you're oftentimes scattered and you're separated by like 40 men between you and the person that you're going to be you know, placing next to at some point. I don't know. Uh, and she mentioned that there's a rule that in the UCI gravel series, maybe she mentioned it was a rule or, okay, I'm going to make this caveat. Like I read this post and I was just like, oh, that's cool. And I didn't write it down or remember it. So I don't know if it's UCI rule a race rule, or she suggested it, but if the women's field is under a certain amount, then it starts with the men. If it's of a reasonable size, you get a separate start. And that is the only way that I would want to do another separate start. I don't want to ride 140 miles with 20 women if 10 are going to drop off, not even after getting attacked. And that, like, and if you can't even draft within the field, because at nationals, if you passed a man mm -hmm. or if a man started to pass you, like you couldn't work together. And that's oh, yeah. actually, I dropped out last weekend because it was mile 70. Uh, I had been in a break with four other women. And at some point I was like, hey, guys, our break is established. We can slow down now. And no, they just wanted to keep going at like 300 watts. And I was like, that's cool. I'll just be back here. Uh, and then I was with the chase group and then they were also chasing very hard. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go back here. And then I found a group that was actually going a pretty comfortable pace. I was barely hanging on, though. And I was like, well, I need to stop for water at some point. Are you guys going to need to stop? And they all had people to hand them bottles at the aid station at mile 90. And I did not, I would have to stop and fill my water bottle, which meant I would lose them. Uh, which means not only then am I losing more people because I didn't pay a couple thousand dollars to fly my non-existent significant other to hand me a bottle, but, um, I would have to ride solo because at that point there were like no other women behind us. Cause I think they'd all dropped out or crashed <laughs> and I couldn't ride with any men. And it was an out and back and the whole way back was a headwind. So it was oh, the God. first race that I, that I didn't finish the first gravel race I've ever DNF'd. I did take a short course once because it turns out I had COVID during that race. So instead of riding a hundred miles, I rode 60, but anyways, yeah, I quit because I didn't want to ride solo in a 60 mile headwind, uh, because oh, we like weren't that. allowed to work with anybody else from any other fields. And because the rules were such that some of you are able to get support if you're willing to pay for it, but otherwise... Nope. Yeah, that doesn't like, hmm. well, I mean, like it's, it's the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot, I but mean, there are a lot of races. So my teammate, Corey Wallace was in, um, was it trans Rocky? I don't know. It was in a multi-day mountain bike race. Oh, Breck Epic. It was at Breck. Uh, and he was in a group of three. He was on the podium every day. I think he ended up second. He got third one day. 
because through the aid station, they had a drop bag system. So you could set up your drop bag for the aid and they, according to your number, they set out your bag. So it doesn't take that long to stop, grab your bag. And I've done it before. It's kind of annoying, but it's nice. It's even, everyone has the same amount of like, drop your bike, grab your bag. And the two people with him had people giving bottle hand ups. So he lost them because he had to spend 30 seconds grabbing a bag when they could just keep rolling through. Um, so it's like these, it's not that the, so the rules between races are inconsistent, but it's the amount of inconsistent support that all of us various levels of racers have uh, that also makes it really hard. I think a race series that does it right in terms of supporting men and women equally, making it fair and fun for everyone is the BWR series. For the leaders, they like, you know, have the media cars and they're handing water bottles out to anyone in that group uh, at the aid stations. They hand out neutral bottle hand ups. You're not allowed to bring in outside feeders. Um, and I think that's a really nice way to do it because it's equally accessible, whether you're a pro or just Joe Blow. You don't need to spend extra time, money and resources to get somebody out with like a special aid because they only provide water once in a 200 mile race if you know what race i'm talking about uh, <laughs> uh yeah i think it like reduces not just like a barrier to entry but a barrier to success and it's nice to not have to worry for me about like oh where are the other women are they three groups groups up with these men are they stopping for water or did they get a hand up did they like i don't know yeah <laughs> It's developing so much as an elite sport that I think yeah, they're going to have to start figuring out across the board. Like if, especially when there's big opportunities on the line at certain races, you know, yeah, like for some people that stars is striped Jersey and the, the opportunity to go to the, you know, UCI series or championship, mm -hmm. the is, world champs. Yeah. Is like yeah. a massive goal, you know? So, yeah. Which I mean, I guess you could argue if you have a goal that is that big, you should pay to play. But I mean, cyclocross is pay to play. And that is something that sort of frustrates me, but it's just a fact of the matter of the sport and it's hard to neutralize. I don't know if I've, if this exists, but I heard people talking about rules of like juniors not being able to have carbon wheels or multiple wheel sets or something like this. And, you know, no spare bikes for certain age groups. And I think that that's nice. But I mean, cyclocross is just a um, equipment intensive and body intensive sport. I don't think we should make gravel racing that way. It's if it is, if the spirit of gravel is treating pros and Joe blows the same, then I think it should be, you have your one bike, you have your one wheel set, obviously like you can own multiple, but you're not putting extra wheel sets on cars or in follow cars to follow you or to like find at some point, you're not bringing out extra people to give you special food. Like, can we just go and all ride as a group and be like, do you guys want to stop at this age station or the next aid station? I have water. Let's stop at the next one. We won't have to stop again. Like that's a cool group coordination that I want to do. Like that is the fun part of gravel for me. And yeah, maybe it's sometimes, oh, actually I'm going to carry three water bottles and a hydration pack. So I'm going to be slow at the start, but I'm never stopping. Like, cool. That's annoying for us, but do it. <laughs> Not, hey, I'm carrying one bottle and my husband is going to leapfrog us and just keep handing me stuff like every 10 miles, which I'm not saying that that's happened, but it's not far away. 
<laughs> Christy's like, hmm, gravel racing. Well, I'm pro- I mean, I'm pro- I mean, I've been doing this since 2005, 2006 and watching, you know, just the evolution of all of it. And, and obviously like it's, it's all changing. It's all, it's all growing and developing. And, and I think I, the thing I would hate to see is every race become the same. Like, I, I like the idea that there's that there's differences and that a different race oh, will yeah. play to different strengths for each person. It lets other people stand out and ha- you know have a have an event that fits them better than another one. And like even are even when about, you're, t- are you I'm even talking about like or structure or all of it? Okay, I mean I think like I think that there are some set of roles. basics, but I think. Like, I think, um, you know, we obviously at Unbound this year did the separate women's start, right? And yeah. first and that's time- that's a huge field, so it was nice. Yeah, it's a huge field. It's a huge yeah. field and it needed to happen. Yeah. Um, but I also think, you know, when I, when you have other race organizers that call and they're like, okay, now I need to separate my women's start. I'm like, why? Yeah. You, just just do your race how you do your race. Yeah. And, and, and I think from the perspective as of the athlete is- part of your job would be understanding what the rules of engagement are there and, and anticipating how you need to race that race. It's a different strategy. So it's a different tactic. And I don't want to see us be like, it gives other people a chance to shine that maybe are better at holding, like making that, putting that huge effort in and holding the wheel of somebody that, that they get the advantage at this race, because this race does it this way. And they're all different. They're like, I don't know. It's, you know, it's just like saying all races should be a hundred miles or all races should be 60 miles or all like, I like the fact that there's the variety in gravel and yeah, that's what I would hate to see is like all of them start looking the same, but yeah, I do like how it is a different game. If the women start separate versus Mm -hmm. if they start with the men that said, imagine unbound with a field size of 22. No, I, well, we've, you can't I, I ride with another that. man or another woman yeah. ever. You no, can't ride I mean, with anybody else. Yeah. I don't want that. I, I don't even understand. I don't like the drafting thing, I guess. I mean, I get it, but I'm like, oh, I'd hate to be out in the Flint Hills with a group yeah. of men surrounding me knowing I can't work with them when I've been training with them. And I've been, you know, like, yeah, and you caught an them. Perspective. <laughs> so. And I caught them, or maybe they yeah, caught me. Right? I don't know. But um, yeah, it's, I and I, yeah. At some point, there is, I mean, everybody talks about women working with men, meaning men being dedicated workhorses for a woman right. out on the field. Right. And yeah, that's not cool. I don't want that necessarily to be a reason I lose a race. Um, maybe if I won a race, I'd be okay with it. But. Uh, <laughs> Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how often that happens. I don't know how we combat that, but I know I would rather lose one or two races because some woman had a man working for her rather than spend all of my races alone. Because I mean, 98% of the people I ride with in any given race is a group of dudes. And yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a numbers game, right? It's not because... I choose that. It's not because that's where I am fitness wise. It's because 
that is the name of the game. There's how many male starters, how many female starters, right. as a female. I'm with the middler men. And I love it. I mean, we work together equally and we have conversation. Like if I can't work with them, does that mean like, could I at least ride next to them and talk? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's an interesting game when you start introducing those. Well, and I'm, I'm super stoked that there's so many women that are doing this now. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. I, that's my favorite part of it. And I'm just like, let's not ruin it by nitpicking everything to do. And I'm not saying that you are Rebecca, don't take it. Yeah, that yeah. Way. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm just saying like, this is a, this is a growth time and it doesn't like what's right for one race may not be right for every race. And mm -hmm. that's where we, I think we have to be very careful when we're talking about the growth of like, you know, the spirit of gravel is truthfully that there's fewer rules and it's, yeah, it's, you show up and you ride your bike and some mm -hmm. people aren't going to have the extra wheel sets. Some people are, you know, yeah. I mean, like that's the, this, yeah, the year I did it, th that I did Unbound in 2018, I had an extra set of wheels because in 2010, my day ended because of something like that. And I was like, I just yeah. want to finish the motherfucker. And, you know, <laughs> Unbound is, so. it's an outlier because, because of so many reasons, um, because of the prestige that it's developed, because of mm -hmm. the length of the race, because of the, I mean, honestly, with the amount of people that race that gosh darn race, I don't think you can have enough neutral support. Um, and I, yeah, I think like as a standalone structure, I do like it. It's still annoying. I'm still gonna grumble about it, but <laughs> I grumble I, about it. <laughs> I grumble about every everything. Every single time I have to get up for a race, I'm like, why do we have to start at six o'clock in the morning? I'm done by like two, okay? <laughs> How about we finish at dusk instead of starting at dawn? Um, yeah, it's a unbound is its own beast and, mm -hmm. you know, warrants its own level of discussions. But I don't want every race I go to to be 200 miles no. long. I don't want to have to coordinate people to meet me and then talk about like, well, given which part of the course has the most likelihood to slice through all of my tires. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, even as a professional at some point, like, can I just show up and ride my bike with like zero fucks? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you can. You just have to choose your races these days for that. It turns out though, I'm choosing all of the races. <laughs> You're choosing the wrong ones. <laughs> I need to It's stop. the concussion, Rebecca. It's well, still... <laughs> wait, there, well, this is what I've determined is every single race that goes poorly, I add another race in, in order to redeem myself from that last race. And then it's, it's again, one of those positive feedback cycles where I'm never recovered. I'm never satisfied. I keep trying harder, which is, I don't, I don't, it's a Sisyphean task. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> well, we could probably get on this road for a long time, but oh, I, I do, know, right? so you do document, you document your journey on a YouTube channel though. So <laughs> I want to hear how you decided to start a YouTube channel. Cause I've said for a long time, like, we need more women starting YouTube channels in gravel because like, it's all these dudes sharing their dude stories. And I'm like, we need more women uh, doing it. Well, I started my YouTube channel in 2020 when Carrie wasn't racing cyclocross because he had a vlog on YouTube and uh, it was a part of his like contractual obligation to Kona. And I, my entire existence on YouTube is a farce and it's a joke making fun of Carrie. Oh. 
but now it's a part of my contractual obligation. <laughs> oh, I have to keep it amazing. up. And, and I'm like, so basically it's just like, how many parodies can I make? I've run out of material. <laughs> oh, we could probably help you. There's, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And, oh my God. Yeah. I, I mean, the vlogs, I'm a little bit tired of making them because gravels it's fun in cyclocross because you have this like circus that is just all together and you spend a lot of time with these goofy people in one setting like day after day and with gravel it's like people show up they pick up their number they leave they show up to the start line they do the ride very seriously and then they leave and you're hanging like with hard. the wrong people yeah you got the wrong people <laughs> you got, you're, you're hanging with the wrong people Rebecca <laughs> maybe you need next year to do like a like a contract with Kona where it's um, the weirdos of gravel that you're going to hang out with. And you're not like, you're I, not racing. You're going to go hang out with them and you're going to like share. Yeah, their- I, I'm thinking I'm going to take some time to pivot to be less quote unquote competitive. Uh, basically I'm going to allow my mind to catch up to my body <laughs> because my body for like three years has been like, we're partying in the back. And my mind is like, we're still going to get to the front. We're going to get there. <laughs> um and we, we we haven't got there uh so yeah I think I'm gonna take some time to do that and they've really been wanting me to do a lot of more like not vlogs but just funny videos but it's exhausting to like think of the concepts write up a script film it edit it put it out on top of that do the training and I've picked up a full-time job and then I have the other vlogs and it's just it's a lot there are so many porta potties yet that I have to film and it's just it's a lot to think of See, you make this face. You've never watched my vlogs. I understand. I don't watch them. I don't remember the body bodies. I've watched four of them. I'm like, uh, race ones. I yeah, I I show race bathroom footage at every race. Um, I, I probably just haven't picked up on that you do the porta potties at every race. It's a thing. Read the comments. A lot of people will say, "Finally, we got a good porta potty shot," or you know, "Good to see a porta potty shot." Because I have forgotten once or twice. Sometimes they're not porta potties; it's just a regular toilet, and then it's not very exciting to film. And it's also uh, awkward if you're like in the toilet filming, and other people are in there. <laughs> oh, it's only awkward for them. <laughs> it's not awkward for me. <laughs> Have we met? <laughs> you get arrested. Some yeah, woman was filming in the Saturday, bathroom. I followed Tobin Ortenblatt into the porta potty. So, you know, <laughs> I left amazing. before his pants came down, but ugh, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a few desires to make other videos, meaning I have the desire to make them, not that I have the idea for them. Oh, we can hook you up Got with it. lots of like fun people. I had one like fun video that was not a vlog. It was just something scripted I made and it was shit. Not all middle-aged cyclists say middle-aged male cyclists. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you can look it up. I'll definitely look that one up. I'm definitely going to look that one up. I haven't seen that one. <clears throat> nice. It reminds me of the Betsy Welch I'm peeing video series that she did. Did you ever see that on her Instagram I- stories? I did not see it, but I want to yeah. watch Betsy P. So I'm going to um, watch it. I th- was it, I think it was, she did like was one of the, the rides XL? she did. Was it the end it of was, the Maybe XL? she started the XL and she was, and every time she stopped to pee, she would like pull out her camera and do a story. And she'd be like, I'm peeing. <laughs> Guess what? I'm what's peeing happening? again. And then she'd be like, this is what's happened. So she- I love it. But the That's camera wasn't idea. facing her, or yeah. it was just facing her face. It was facing her face. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't think that they would show the intimate details. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ooh, although, did you say she was racing the XL? I think it was it? when she was doing the XL. She was racing it. Yeah, she raced it. So I'm not going to lie. After a certain amount of time in the saddle, it's not a feeling or look of relief when I'm peeing. It's a cringe. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> As it turns out, it's a feeling men don't get, which makes sense once I think about placement of urethra. Yeah, it does. Whatnot, it's like but... the physics of it. It's brilliant. It's just, you know, we got we got the short end of that stick from that perspective. Literally. <laughs> we didn't get a stick at all. <laughs> we didn't get the stick at all. <laughs> all righty, folks. Okay. <laughs> where can we find you, Rebecca? <laughs> this is where the podcast goes to from rated PG to rated X. every every child can know about anatomy that's just basic. yes agreed um where can you find me in the world or on a computer if people want to connect with you following yes. your youtube stories or your instagram where can they um, where's the best place well you can google me turns out a lot of people do and there's stuff on me uh, <laughs> or at gofar on pretty much anything uh at G-O-F-A-H-R. It's a pun on my name. I don't know if you guys put that together. That's I, I thought of that myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I am everywhere. So awesome. I guess I can't be heteronormative, get married and change my name, or my <laughs> handle would make even less sense. You can keep a professional name. <laughs> Just don't change your name. Yes, my professional name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not married professionally. I'm only married like unprofessionally. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wish I wouldn't have changed mine. Anyway. It's been a long oh, time. That's a whole other story. This is I know. This is a discussion this is, we need to have. Yes. This is this is next <laughs> Rebecca part two. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a really fun conversation. Thanks for the time to talk. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.